This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to this Game of Thrones podcast by The Straits Times. I'm your host with the Ned Stark voice and the looks of the hound, Jonathan Roberts, and I'm joined by various emissaries from the different kingdoms of ST. They may not come from Westeros or Essos, but they may have passed by Yunos. We have Olivia Ho, Melissa Heng, Jen Lee, Arianto Diman, and S. Sakdival, or Sakti for short. Okay, so winter is here, the final season is upon us, and from April 15th, after each broadcast, we will be dissecting, cogitating, analysing, and possibly, well, more than likely, arguing over each episode. There will also be prizes to be won from our friends at HBO that you can join in. So, let's meet the panel. It has been an epic eight-year journey, a huge array of shocks, a roller coaster of emotions, sex, violence, and profanity aplenty. And let's just be clear, if you haven't watched series one to seven... A, welcome to the Game of Thrones. B, spoilers ahoy, we're not going to hold back. And with that, what have been your best and worst moments? Jan, let's start with you. I would have to say the best would be, there was this one moment where the Starks came back to Winterfell after years of it not being theirs. And then there was this moment where the flag of the direwolf rolled down the side of the wall. And I kind of cried a little bit there. So that was the best. What that was one that of the, was best. the best. That was one. It was so emotional. Why are you judging me for my emotions? But it was. It was so touching. Like the dive, and then it was just like quiet. It was a quiet scene, and I was just very in love with that. The whole cinematography. I was very into it, and um, and I I did like Jon Snow's butt. Well, it was quite a butt. Yeah, repeatedly watched it many times. I dread, well, if that was your best moment, I dread to ask, what was your worst? Okay, my worst moment was, um, oh man, so many. I would have to say Shireen dying, being burnt on the stake. That was that was tough. Oh. That was tough. Yeah. Uh, it was bad because she was screaming and then her mom was like, at the last moment, crying. And I just, I couldn't take it. I couldn't take it. Yeah. Were you team Stannis before that? No, not at all. He's not hot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Nobody's. Nobody is Team Stannis. You want a hot guy to lead your country, you know? He's not He's not that good looking. Uh, the world of diplomacy. Okay, Arianto, <laughs> best and worst. Oh my goodness, I don't know so many to choose from. I think worst moment for me would be the Red Wedding, I think. I, I didn't see that coming. And then when, you know, blood splattered, I'm like, oh my goodness. And then after that, when uh, the Starks started dying, I'm like, Ugh. so that's... That, that, that's Bad for me simply because I didn't expect that. Uh, best moment for me is when uh, Aya and Sansa killed uh, Littlefinger. Yeah. I think that that was fight. I mean, of course, Littlefinger has been annoying, right, throughout the whole uh, series. But I think it's so nice to eventually really see Sansa evolve. I mean, I started disliking her. She was annoying and irritating as hell. She'd been uh, put through the ringer quite a <laughs> bit. I mean, <laughs> but it's just annoying, right? She's just always this helpless victim, you know, and then she can't do anything. So when she eventually, like, kind of rose uh, above the, you know, above it all, and then decided to just, uh, I'm going to do this, and then and then she, yeah, plotted the whole thing with Aya, and I thought that was brilliant, and then it's so nice to see that character development. On, on the part of uh, Sansa and I'm excited to see you know how far Sansa will go in this uh, season mm. do you think she's going to go a bit mad I don't know really actually uh, I wouldn't say mad mad I would probably say I don't know she should she, probably 
surprise us a lot more, I guess. You know, okay. with, with this newfound bravery or confidence or whatever, you know, you, you, you put it. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, Melissa. Seven seasons. Uh, I think it's really, really tough to choose a best, a worst mm. moment, I think. But for me, I'm all about bad characters getting what they deserve. So, um, Joffrey dying. Although it was kind of gross, but it was just so cathartic, right? So it was the best moment for me because I think he had it coming for like a long time and it was just like, yes, die. Funnily enough, that's my worst <laughs> because it wasn't bad enough. Oh, wow. I, I felt he got away with it. I, I wanted him humiliated and <laughs> belittled and beaten in front of a large public audience rather than just a bit of choking on his purple vomit. <laughs> no, not enough for me. That It, it still grinds me that right. he got away with it. It was so lightly. I think, again, I agree with Haranto that I love that Peter Baelish also got his. Uh, so, yeah, that, that, that was my best. Uh, for worst... I think I was really irritated last season that John didn't just lie about didn't just lie to Cersei about teaming up with Daenerys because like I'm rooting for him because you know he could do so much there's so much potential but also at the same time like he makes such dumb <laughs> He's a very simple man. He cannot lie. Like why, right? So I so I'm rooting for him because there's so much potential and I think he could be this big hero but at the same time make such dumb choices and yeah and that was like a one small thing that he could have done that was that would have you know helped his team and I think it was just like ugh but if uh, he did that the story wouldn't be interesting anymore wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no but okay, that's the so thing what right? is your best and worst then? Um, I think the worst I gotta agree with Harianto it was a red wedding Especially for me because I think that was the season I started watching the show. So I think just prior to that, I'd binge the previous three seasons, I think. So this is essentially your jumping on point. Yeah. So in that month or so when I binged it, they just built up this guy. And I agree with you when you said the guy who's in front has to be a good-looking guy. And he was. Rob Stark, oh my God, he's so good-looking. Okay, sorry. <laughs> and I dare say his hair was nicer than Jon Snow. His hair is nicer than Jon Snow's. 100%. Thank you, no, Amen. Is not. 100%. No, is not. 100%. Go and watch Bodyguard. So yeah, when, when it kind of came on very suddenly because they're kind of building up. And like I said, it was my first time I was getting into the show. So I hadn't quite been prepared for people to die like that. I mean, people had died in the previous seasons. But, you know, it's very obvious, right? I'm Indian, I watch Tamil movie. Hero never die. (laughs) Number one rule. Hero die means your movie got big problem. You know what I mean? So, then all of a sudden, it was like two minutes. Everyone, everyone they had, you know, told you you should like, everyone they had told you you should support, all gone. It's like, hey, I don't want to watch this show anymore. You know? Yeah, yeah, so somehow you stuck with it. Yeah. So that was the worst. Best, I think what I've enjoyed over a period of time has been Jamie's redemption arc. Oh, right. Where they have kind of, you know, mm. I went back and seen the first episode when they had, he had this little interaction with Jon Snow and all the other people when they visited uh, Winterfell. Mm. And push brand. 
Yeah, no, that, that's that's the obvious one, but <laughs> everything else. See, that was obviously bad, but everything else around it, you know, like how he just had those small conversations with everyone else. This guy was a covering. Am I allowed to say that? No. Oh no. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> this guy was an awful person. Yeah, mm. a very awful person, and I don't think. And until you go back and watch it again, and then you don't really realize how awful he actually was. Mm. Like the show actually wanted us to hate this person, mm. and then as it moved on, I must say I quite like him now. Mm. I'm kind of rooting for him. I'm like, yes, yeah. this guy is going to do the right thing. Yeah. You know, so that I enjoyed. Um, the other best moment. This one is a bit simple. Uh, it's um, the scene when Barrison Selmy first go and meets Danny. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. you remember that one? It's it, there's a reason behind it because clearly the guy who plays Barrison Selmy is channeling Alec Guinness playing Obi Wan Kenobi. Okay, oh. didn't see that. No, hang on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You you bring your Star Wars chat in here. Yeah. Hang on. No, but it's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's old dude. You don't think he's much. And he comes in and then he's just a total badass. Guy comes on cloak. You you think he's gonna be like some baddie? Then comes on and he kills. He's about to kill a small girl. Let's look over that part. <laughs> okay, but you know he was being a badass, and I thought that was really cool. Olivia, best and worst. Okay, worst for me has got to be the set of Thalor blowing up because my favorite character, Marjorie Tyrell. Yes. So she was. So I loved her, and she was. You know, um, if I were in Game of Thrones, I would be Marjorie Tyrell. And then mm. when she died, that was the end of me. So. <laughs> But you know she got she lasted so long. Girl was a hustler. She outscammed Cer- Cersei every turn until she was surrounded by the incompetence of men. So she knew what Cersei was gonna do, but she couldn't get out. And then boom, that was it. I know what you mean, but for different reasons. Natalie Dormer is one of my favorites. So. I will watch her do anything. I will watch her paint a wall. Honestly, um, paint a wall. <laughs> yes. Um, best moment definitely Hard Home season five. Uh, the scene where Jon Snow goes to uh, evacuate the wildlings from the settlement by the shore, and then the whites attack them. So I'm a huge zombie movie fan. I did my undergraduate thesis on zombies, and uh, for me, that is up there with the best. Uh, you know the moment where suddenly everything just goes silent, and you see the snow falling, and you're like, "Oh, this is it! This is this something is you know, this is some Dawn of the Dead epic stuff coming." And then, um, and then, and then everything in that. Mm. Um, I think uh, Miguel Sap- Sapotnik he edited, um, he directed that episode, and the stellar directing, the mm. the scene where all the whites come falling off the cliff, and they land at the bottom in piles, and they get them, and they run at you. Uh, Wun the giant, awesome. Um, yeah. The death of Carson. See, you know, at the hands of undead children, such a such a Romero trope. But you know, she did, she sold it so well. And the ending when the Night King just looks, you know, he makes eye contact with Jon Snow, yeah. and he's like, "Show hands," <laughs> and everyone gets up, and that's when you know that that becomes Jon Snow's driving force of the rest of you know the um, mm-hmm. you know the series because he has seen what happens, and uh, and that's why you know that's what I'm really looking forward to mm. in the upcoming episode because. I want to see the battle that can overshadow this for me. Wow. Olivia, you are unique among us in that you have read all the books. And you'd read the books before? I think at least four of them. Uh, the I think the fifth one had to come out by the time I read them. Uh, but yeah, I have read all the books. And I have also read Fire and Blood, the 300-year history of the Targaryen kings that nobody <laughs> needs to read. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. So you are the meister 
among us, as far as this is concerned. Uh, what in the series has come closest to the books for you? I think that um, for me it was the Red Wedding. I think the Red Wedding is a pivotal moment in the books um, because it is the is the thing that tops the killing of Ned Stark. And as and I thought they did the Red Wedding very well in that uh, we knew um, book readers knew it was coming, but at the same time there was this uh, factor that they hadn't, um, which is Talisa. So you, Talisa's not in the book. Uh, and you don't know what's going to happen to her. Is there going to be a loose, like, stark baby running around? And then the, straight out the gate, they just stab her in the stomach. And that's it, you know. And um, and I knew it was coming. And it still had that incredible impact of just watching everyone die. And Michelle Farley, she, um, the description in the book is amazing. You know, the, mm-hmm. you know when she, she feels like she's clawing at her face because she, and she doesn't know it's her. But she's like, why is somebody clawing at my face? It's blood, you know. And she cuts the throat of the girl and she screams. And ah. Uh, and every and you know also I felt this great sense of Schadenfreude because everyone around me had not seen it and uh, they were just screaming and crying and the next day they were still screaming and crying and I was like you sweet summer children. Oh. <laughs> See when you were watching with other people you managed to keep the secret. Oh yeah, straight to... face, straight face. Oh. <laughs> That's very nice. noble. Yeah, wow. that is very noble of you. Nice. Very John Snow like. I know yeah. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Which annoys me by the way. <laughs> so John's knowing his nobility. So what hasn't worked? What has the series got wrong for you? I think the series has done a great job condensing a lot of storylines, but um, it's cut out some of my favourites, like the um, the Dawn storyline. So the Dornish women are actually great, and they appear in the TV series of the Sand Snakes. But there's, they're actually much cooler. Uh, and yeah. there's a whole character called Arya Martell who doesn't appear at all. She's a princess of Dawn, and she has this you know side plot to crown Marcella Barthian, the queen. She's the queen. They call her the queen maker, and uh, so she's the head of. So she leads the Sand Snakes actually to avenge. Oberyn and this whole character is just completely gone and I think the show has not done a great service to female characters to be honest like they start out really well they make you know these really badass female uh, women and then us then they just get sort of wasted like the sand snakes were absolutely wasted I'd, I refuse oh, yeah. to believe that Euron Greyjoy could kill um, two of them at one go yeah. <laughs> like who is who is Euron Greyjoy you know um Anything else on that one? That you yes, want to... Lady Stoneheart. So in the books, Lady Stoneheart is Catelyn Stark come back from the dead and she leads the Brotherhood Without Banners. That You know that as Beric Dondarrion's people. Mm-hmm. And so in the books, Beric Dondarrion gives up his last life and Thoris of Mia brings back Catelyn Stark instead. And she leads this vengeful crusade over the, you know, the Riverlands to kill all the people who uh, harmed her family. And uh, I think one of the people she kills is Brienne. Um, well, she, she's not... Um, but Brienne is still alive in the series. So <laughs> Brienne of Tarth. Uh, Brienne of Tarth. Uh, right. It's implied that she kills her, but it's not clear because... Um, I, it's not clear the way that George R. R. Martin writes it. Uh, and, yeah, so she's this vengeful woman just killing people right and left. She's sort of lost her, I think, her moral compass. She's filled with revenge. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't blame her, right, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I have a theory about Lady Stoneheart, and I do think that she's going to make an appearance in this series, not as, um, not as Catelyn Stark, but as someone else. How so? So... I think that one of the Stark girls, at least one of the Stark girls, is going to die and oh, come oh, back. Oh, wow. Okay. I already feel like a bombshell has dropped. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Did you just spoil it for me? <laughs> now, 
Bearing in mind that this is the last series and we have been free-floating from the books for the past two series as well. Mm, yeah. Do you feel that they're still worthy of the books? I think they're going to go in a completely different direction. I think George R. R. Martin knows that he's not going to be able to top whatever that they come up with for the TV series. So he has to do something totally different. I believe he's going to do something with the Egon Targaryen storyline. Oh, um, Egon Targaryen is the long lost, the long lost son of Rhaegar and Elia Martell, not to be confused with the long lost son of El- Rhaegar and Lyanna Stark, which is Jon Snow. Which is Jon Snow. Yeah, Elia Martell is his first wife. Yes, that he dumped. Yeah, so Egon Targaryen lost uh, wandering around in the in Essos with John Connington, former Hand of the King. Uh, so I'm I'm actually kind of glad the show has cut this out because um, it's really confusing in the books. You're like, who is this guy? Now, what would a podcast be without wild speculation? This is the last series. We've been warned by cast members that there will be tears before bedtime, and we know that the series loves to kill off anyone, no matter how beloved they are. So, folks. What are your wildest theories for this coming final season, Jan? Oh man, I think most of the people you like will die. The series, the TV series, very very clearly held off killing some characters who definitely should have died or were put in situations that they definitely should have died. Like Jamie when he was almost blasted by the dragon's fire. Yeah, yeah he he should have died there with Bronn, but okay, never mind. Or at least drowned because drowned. Of the armor. Yeah, because of the armor, right? But anyway, so I think they clearly held off killing off the main characters for the last season so they're gonna kill everyone off in the last season and I, I it's hard but I'm prepared for it I'm prepared for all my favorite characters to die um the wildest theories I have I have a theory that I think has been set up but I don't like it which is the Tyrion is a Targaryen theory which has some backing in the books. It has some hints in the TV show because there's supposed to be three dragons, even though now there's clearly only two. <laughs> One's a zombie. Technically, there's three. Technically, there's three. You know, he goes up to the dragon and doesn't kill him. So it has su- somewhat been set up, but I really don't like that theory and I don't want it to happen in part because I think it sort of cheapens the, the journey that Tyrion has had. Because he's a Lannister and his whole arc is him trying to reconcile the fact that he's a Lannister who doesn't belong in the Lannister clan. He doesn't feel like he belongs. He doesn't feel like he fits in with the rest of his family. And if it just comes out, oh, guess what? You're a Targaryen, actually. It's just kind of lame. Like, ugh, please. I get the feeling you're going to be disappointed because it's quite clear he's a Targaryen, I don't isn't it? Wa- I know, but I, I don't want it. I don't want it. And then the wildest theory that Cersei becomes the Night Queen. I would, I would like to see that. Right. I would like to see her done up in the blue makeup with the eyes and, and the hair. And so, mm. It would be great, you know, see her riding that dragon, blasting everybody. It's just, it would be great. If it came true, I'm not saying, I'm just saying it's kind of wild. I don't think it will come true. We don't know, but I Fairly like wild, fairly wild. Yeah. Yeah. Arianto? Uh, on, on Tyrion, I think he's going to die. Simply because um, I feel he has met his objective of getting everybody together. And, you know, we, we all like Tyrion. And, and you know, the, the, the series is known for killing favourite characters. So I think Tyrion is going to go. Uh, the other person that I really want to, you know, want to die is, is, is actually Jon Snow. <laughs> I cannot stand Jon Snow. I get it. There is no human being that is as noble as that. It is just... 
inaccurate at all, right? There is nobody who's like that. I really hope Jon Snow will die, but I, I don't think he will because you know he he's supposed to be like the the, the hero and, and all that. But I think in a situation where he will die is when he sacrifices himself clearly because he needs to follow his noble arc, you know, and and therefore he he goes to Danny and says like. You know, Daenerys. I'm gonna, you know, save us all. I'm gonna kill myself. Something like that. You know, offer himself does, as a sacrifice. It does feel like his whole arc up to now is a little bit like he's too good to be king. Yeah. Yeah, he's too right? good. He's too good. Which I feel like, yeah, he might die. Yeah. So, so that the person that I don't want to that I don't want to see die is actually Sam. Sam Tully, right? Uh, I hope he he doesn't. But then again, you know, if we're gonna go with the whole good people are gonna die, then. I don't know, but but he's hey, the only yeah. one that has his own storyline at the mm. moment. Yeah, everyone else is now clustered. Yeah, everyone else is with their little groups. Mm. Sam is out there on his own. Yeah, so, he's just out there on his own. I, I like him. I I, I think. Uh, you know, he has a lot of development as well in his character. How he he, he became this timid little person. He's still timid, but you know, slowly you can see that he's he's trying to overcome that. Um, I mean, he's. Best discovery would be you know how 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 to kill a White Walker right mm-hmm. uh, with with, mm-hmm. with dragon glass. Okay, Melissa. Oh, okay. Sorry, I don't really know where to start right now. I've heard all of this. Um, for me, I think what I'm looking forward to also is um, Cersei. What happens to her and how things happen for her, right? So I think she's gonna die. But it's all about how and mm. through whom. Um, I think the most satisfying thing for everybody uh, would be if Jamie kills her yes. because it completes his redemption arc, and there's all that foreshadowing with him being the Kingslayer, uh, and it's just gonna and the be little brother. Yes, and her little yeah. brother. Um, yeah. Correct. So it fulfills all this prophecy, but I think then it, there's also this emotional connection for everyone, where she, where Cersei also again, just like you know, that's what she kind of deserves because of all the things she's put other people through. Um, but I think nobody knows again, mm-hmm. um, and and she's. I don't think she's gonna die soon, right? I think there's that. I think that there has to be that great battle between the living and the dead, but. Like, I feel that that is not going to be the biggest thing that happens in season eight. Like, I think there has to be, like, Cersei's still there, right, after that. And she has all these plans. She has all these backup coming. Uh, so there has to be, like, a bigger battle that, that, that the good guys and, like, mm. people like Jon Snow are going to be like, oh, my gosh, what? When everybody's like, look, hello, like, it's been there all along. So, yeah, so I think... Interesting things are going to happen with Cersei, definitely. I don't think that Sam is going to be out there alone mm. for very long. Um, I think that the show needs people like Sam to be catalysts for... Tragedy. Yes. <laughs> and, and just more things exploding, right? Whether it be information or people's bodies. Um so so Sam has to come in and and reveal uh, that RM set yeah the RM set but who knows what else he he learned you know I mean because the show has been slowly revealing that he's this like person that finds things out whether it's the dragon glass or 
or uh, meth- like healing methods oh, when he yeah. healed Dramamon, right? So he's like this well of knowledge that's mm. waiting to be tapped on. Sakti? There's a couple of things i like to add to what you've been saying. So you talked about Cersei and how she's going to die. What I really want to see happen is, of course, Jamie goes, you know, full circle, kills her, and then the mountain blasts him. And then I think if you guys remember, like last season, when he's talking to Bronn and then they're both talking, oh, how would you like to die? And Bronn says, I just want something boring, I want to sit in my house, you know, all that. And then Jamie like looks at him and he says like, I want to die in the arms of the woman I love. Aww. You guys want to guess who it's going to be? His sister. No. <laughs> Brienne. Yes. So the mountain's going to come and blast him. Right. Brienne's going to jump in and save him. But of course, he's going to be like, you know, gone then. I think he takes a shot to the liver or something like that. Right. So he dies in Brienne's arms. Okay. That's what I want to okay. see. Okay. Are you suggesting that Brienne is going to kill the mountain and deny as a Clegane bowl? I, I feel like Clegane goes. I think. Uh, <laughs> I feel maybe she'll chase him off because we need Clegane Bowl, right? Yeah, we need Clegane yeah. Bowl. Yeah. He's gonna chase him off somehow. Maybe I don't know, throw fire at him or something. Yeah. You know, <laughs> of, of, I, I don't know. By then, maybe Kyburn has gone way too far with his Doctor Frankenstein thing, and then like you know, don't bang the table. All oh, right, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so there's that, and then the thing about Sam, nothing I wanted to bring up. Mm. We talked about his discoveries, how he found out yeah. um, about Dragonglass and how the effect they had on on the whites and such. Yeah. There's a very strange scene that happened when um, the the gang goes to grab a white to bring to the south. The worst plan in the world. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, rubbish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a theory about that as well. But <laughs> so kidnap, yeah. yeah, so they're up there and then, you know, so they're surrounded and then um, I think they pointedly show us um, one of the white walkers dying and then all the other whites, uh, or a bunch of them kind of followed it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And then, uh, I don't know who says it, but one of them says it that, he says like, um, if this happens, basically he says, if this happens, if you can get the big guy, and every, then everyone else under him would die. Mm. And then Jon Snow looks at him and then says something to the effect of, um, you don't know what's happening, that's not true. I so, think we'll have to go back and watch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you see, because it's very weird. You 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 kind of think like, yeah, I mean, logically that all makes yeah, sense. If yeah. you, if you kill the kind of un- the middle guy and then everyone under him dies, if you kill the main guy, everyone else would die. But then, like you know, Jon Snow says like, you don't know what's happening. That's not true. Something to that effect. I think Sam has told him something, right. and for whatever reason, they're not really revealing it to the viewers yet. yet. So mm-hmm. I think there's something there. Yeah. Okay, and now let's get to the actual theory bits. So, I think we all agree that there's not going to be a happy ending. I guess we are hoping that, you know, the White Walkers are defeated in some way. I don't think they're going to be defeated as such. Right. I feel like they were not defeated the first time they came around. I feel it was more of an agreement that the White Walkers made with the humans. So, I think the reason they're back now is for whatever deal they made. So, you think the agreement was you can have all of Westeros at some point after we've done with it. I don't think that would be the case. I think for the scope of the show now, Mm. I think they're here for someone. So I think you can back me up on this, Olivia. The whole thing about the prince that was promised. Brand? Is it brand? It might might be. We're not sure yet. But the whole point is they say the prince that was promised is going to save everyone. And we assume he's going to save everyone by killing the White Walkers. Mm. Mm. But I think the prince that was promised and the way it's worded like that, 
I think it's a prince who was promised to go to the White Walkers. Wow. As a sacrifice, is it? Yes, so not a sacrifice. It may be a, a sacrifice as a tribute of some sort, uh-huh. yeah. I don't think they're going to take him and kill him. Right. I think they're going to take him and turn him into a White Walker like oh, they did not. with all the babies. Wow. So, so who is the prince that was promised? Um, see, that's, see, that's where we get into the funny bit. Uh-huh. So you guys mentioned that, you know, uh-huh. there are a lot of characters who should have died who have not. Uh-huh. So one was Jamie when he fell off the horse and all that kind yeah. of stuff. I think that was all kind of red herrings to kind of put a lot of these people into that spot of who could be the prince that was promised. Mm-hmm. The obvious would be Jon Snow. Number one, he's already dead. Mm-hmm. He's a Stark. And we know Starks and you know White Walkers have like, some kind of connection there. So I think Jon Snow seems the obvious one. And he's going to go go off. And then he's going to take over as the Night King or something mm-hmm. like that, I think. Yeah, wow. Of course he's going to serve himself wow. as tribute because of his noble so you act. See, right? Yeah, I see that kind of works <laughs> out for a number of theories. <laughs> you're annoying. Right? Yeah. Well, I'll be... I'll be more I'll be happier if Jon Snow turns out to be the Night King than Bran turns out to be the Night King I think that's just based on noses what? <laughs> the Night King has a similar nose to what Bran Stark has. <laughs> yes, I think wow. that's, that's as much as it's gone to. I think, I think they did the whole theory about how they, they dress alike, the black mm-hmm. and all that yeah. kind of stuff. That but too. a lot of Stark dressed in black. Uh, yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah. What it was is that there was a photoshopped pendant. So they got a picture of the Night King, photoshopped a pendant that Bran was wearing, and then yeah. everyone just said, oh, I've seen a picture of it. Yeah, maybe. And then yeah. it kind of went... Like fake that. news okay so, w- what about Bran we haven't really spoken about Bran actually and then I think Bran is very uh, he is clearly well. very important yeah but I feel like we haven't really got an idea of what Bran is capable of uh. and his abilities mm. and because like he has this like connection with the Night King yeah. right he stares at the Night King touches him and whoa yeah. shit everything goes to hell <laughs> but it's so odd I feel like the Night King is watching Bran and not Bran watching him Oh. and also I feel that Bran, clearly Bran can see what's going on right now Mm. at any time in the world and he can see everything that has happened Mm. but he can't see into the future, right? Or not yet at least? What I feel is that he cannot see into the future so far we've been shown but I feel maybe the Night King can? Like, I I feel there's a clash of their abilities there. Right. Mm. I think both have limited abilities, I thought. Olivia, can you... Yeah. So let's flesh out the Bran is the Night King theories. Okay, so um, there's a theory that goes that Bran, everything is Bran's fault, which we have kind of seen in the door, the scene, you know, the um, scene where Hodor. he kind of ruins Hodor's yeah. life from the beginning. Oh. One of the, oh. actually, this time, yeah, this has been one of the worst. Yeah, oh, Somebody's <laughs> worst. Anyway, so we can see that Bran goes back and affects the past. In the books, there's a character called Old Nan, who is the you know the lady who takes care of Bran when she's little, and in her old age, she begins to mistake Bran for other brands. So Bran is named for Bran the Builder, who is the Mm. guy who built the wall Mm. to begin with. And so there's this theory that Bran goes back and continually tries to, you know, change change the world. So he takes over Bran. So he is Bran the Builder. He builds the wall to begin with, but that doesn't work. So he keeps going back. Then the the next time he goes back, he tries to walk into the guy who becomes the Night King before the children of the forest turn him into the Night King. And then he gets stuck as the Night King. Oh. And that's how be, he, he becomes the Night King. I don't know how strong this theory is. You yeah. know, Isaac Hempstead, right, has kind of said it's probably not going to happen. It uh. actually went around. It was very popular for a while. It is very popular. Yeah. But the one thing I wasn't convinced with that is that they showed us a scene of the guy getting turned, 
but there was no real kind of evidence to say this is the guy. It could have just, I mean, they clearly turned a bunch of people to become White Walkers. Mm-hmm. So there was no clear evidence that he was. Yeah, the he night was. King. Yeah, he yeah. was the 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 big big boss. You know. So yeah. Yeah. But I don't. Anyway, I, it's uh, it's a theory that has sort of lost a currency a bit. I think. Yeah. Mm. Well, that is where we're going to have to leave it. We'll leave you to pick up parts of your brain from all the mind-blowing theories that have just been presented. Next time you hear us, it'll be the first of the final six episodes that will have aired. And if you're listening on iTunes, Google Podcast, or Spotify, do rate and review us. Sounds needy, but it is appreciated. And until next time, Vala Mugulis. That was an SPH podcast. Find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts and streaming on Google Home. Do send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at straightscience.com and bt.sg.